Our scripture comes from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus's head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, the one who reached the tomb first, also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels dressed in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been laying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they've taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. When she said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him that I may take his body away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and she said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I've not yet ascended to God. But go and tell my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to God, your God and my God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. These are our sacred stories. Alleluia indeed. Thank you. If you've been here during Lent, then you know that we've been in the Gospel of John for weeks now. And we continue in the Gospel of John this Easter Sunday. On the first Sunday of Lent, some 40-ish days ago, I noted from the prologue of John, we hear, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The Word became flesh and lived among us. This is the theological promise of John, the primordial Word, which was in the beginning with God, a partner in creation, in relationship with God, and who is God in some mysterious way, has now become human. While the NRSV translates this verse as lived among us, the verb here, sniku, if you wondered, means to tent, to tabernacle. 
Most readers of the Gospel of John will be familiar with the translation that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This verb could also be translated as took up residence. The message translation says the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The dwelling of God is a deeply intimate, personal claim and assumes God's commitment to and continuity with God's people. Moreover, with the word become flesh and dwelling among us, now God goes where God's people go, which is to say everywhere. This is the central message of the Gospel of John. It's spelled out on every page. Divine cosmic essence came here to earth and lived among us, with us, loving us and knowing us and being known. So if John says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us in some particular way through Jesus, then Jesus's death on the cross creates a real problem. God in some cosmic way moved into the neighborhood through Jesus, but then Jesus died. What now? Has God moved out, been evicted, expelled, too loud his shouts of Hosanna through that megaphone? Too powerful his waves of his palm branch? Too disruptive of oppressive business as usual? John tells us that love moved into the neighborhood in chapter 1 and then shows us love's nonviolent power in the chapters that follow. Disciples join Jesus. Jesus encounters people mostly as individuals in the Gospel of John. We meet Nicodemus and the woman at the well and the woman caught in adultery and the man born blind and Peter and John and Martha and Lazarus and Mary. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary came to the tomb. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Mary comes to the tomb alone while it is still dark. She does not carry spices. In John's gospel, Jesus's body has already been anointed twice. We don't know why she's come. Perhaps she's drawn like many of us to a place that will help her feel connected to the one who's died, to a place that will help her remember. She comes in the dark and she comes alone and she's expecting nothing but death. She doesn't know it's Easter. When she sees that the stone is rolled away, she assumes that someone has taken Jesus' body, and so she runs to get the disciples. But only two come back with her, and they don't stay. They see the empty grave clothes, and they leave. They leave Mary alone again. 
And the disciples returned to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb, and she saw the two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been laying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Mary comes dark by herself. She tries to gather community. She manages to get two disciples to join her, but they don't stay. They leave her weeping. She weeps because she believes that love has moved out of the neighborhood. She believes Jesus to be dead and gone. Woman, why are you weeping? The angels don't tell her to stop weeping. They don't say everything happens for a reason. They don't suggest that this is part of God's will or some divine plan. Why are you weeping? And she tells them they've taken him away and I don't know where he is. She feels abandoned. And she turns and she sees a stranger, the gardener, she thinks. And he asks the same question, woman, why are you weeping? And she explains, I've been left. I'm alone. But she's not alone. Mary. Mary. And with her name, she knows him to be Jesus. Jesus doesn't ask her to stop weeping. No one in the Easter story tells her to stop weeping. There's no suggestion that she stops. She hears her name and knows the stranger to be Jesus. And Jesus says, do not hold on to me. Do not hold on to me. God loved this divine essence that moved in. God is not moving out. God has not been expelled. Those votes are in and the actions of one day do not change the cosmic reality. God is here here with us, Emmanuel. Jesus is dead, his body is dead, but the grave could not hold divine love. And really, we shouldn't be surprised that Jesus won't stay put. Jesus has a habit of not being where we'd expect. Instead of going the socially acceptable way from Galilee to Jerusalem, he cut through Samaria, crossing forbidden territory. He sat with a Samaritan woman and talked for hours about God, challenging prejudices of race and gender and faith, resisting artificial boundaries. Jesus embodied a love that didn't know lines in the sand, didn't know dogma and rules, couldn't be contained by old hatreds and hostilities. His disciples were always losing track of him. 
Instead of being in the temple where you'd expect rabbis and religious leaders to be, he was out in the desert, praying, or on the hillside, teaching, or hanging out with the prostitutes and the tax collectors and other sinners on the wrong side of town. Jesus is not where we expect. We cannot define or contain him, but that doesn't mean he's missing. We cannot hold on to Jesus. In fact, every time we think we have a hold of Jesus, Jesus is free again, roaming at large in the world. Jesus is on the loose. Every time we think we have Jesus finally pinned down, off he goes again. We embrace him, we tie him down, we think we finally understand him, we think we can put him in our boxes of belief, our boxes of explanation, our boxes that keep him domesticated and under control, but he won't stay. We've walked through grief in these days leading up to Easter. And we know that God is found there in our weeping, in our pain and persecution and our sorrow. Easter invites us to know that God abides in joy too. God is known and experienced in and through us in our love, in our joy, in our hope. As we read in John chapter 14, you know God, because God abides with you. I will not leave you comfortless, I'm coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. You will know that I am in God, and you are in me, and I am in you. Easter tells us, it shouts to us year after year that Jesus is no longer constricted by time and space. Jesus is alive in each of us in our communities. Instead of moving out of the neighborhood, instead of being expelled, Holy Week ushers in the spirit of God, of love. Love let loose in the world. Love at large available at every moment and every place without limit or boundary or container. The story of Easter points us to this love always present, always available, ever surprising us in new and unexpected ways. Easter is love unstoppable. The greatest human wrong cannot stop love. The deepest human betrayal cannot stop love. The worst of humanity's cruelty cannot stop love. Death, death cannot stop love. The Gospel of John maintains that God has made tabernacle here among us. Indeed, that God abides with us, dwells in and among us and with us. We cannot hold on to Jesus because Jesus' body didn't stay. But we can hold on to the love that Jesus taught us and showed us. 
we can hold on to the way of peace. God has not moved out, not been expelled. Oh no, God is here, here in you, and here in me, here in the poor and here in the joyful, here in the grieving, here in the persecuted, here in the hopeful. Where is love? Look in the most unexpected place. I bet you'll find love there. Love dwells here, among us, even now. Happy Easter. Amen.